natural to me um, until I just had, you know, kind of a, uh, several eye-opening experiences throughout that time that uh, throughout my journey that kind of woke me up that, man, this is not about the money. The money will come. Uh, this is about the moments, right? I'm not in the business anymore of collecting crap, of collecting junk. I'm in the business of collecting moments. And I don't, I want to be as dialed in on time as I possibly can. I, I mean, it is tattooed on my arm. It is, I don't wear a watch. I wear a bracelet that just simply says the time is now. Uh, all around me, all the signage in my office is the time is now. All right, guys, welcome back to the Venture Mentality Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob O'Connor. Today joining us is Kent Clothier. He's a serial entrepreneur, real estate expert, and CEO of Real Estate Worldwide. What's up, Kent? What's up, brother? How are you? I'm doing well. What about yourself? Doing really good. Thanks for asking. Of course. So, you know, the first thing that I want to look at whenever we look at your story as a whole and everything that you've been able to accomplish is I know that the really pivotal thing that kind of got you started on this trajectory is at the beginning of your journey, you started a grocery company with your dad. So I was hoping you kind of take us back to this time and like what exactly that was and what things looked like for you. Yeah. So I started when I was uh, 17. I started, as you said, in the, in the grocery industry, but not in the traditional sense. I mean, we did own some grocery stores when I was a little kid, but we got into a um, area of the business that is commonly referred to as diverting, which really basically it's an arbitrage business. And, and what that is, is, Manufacturers inside of a grocery store, all the items you see on the shelf, they, they sell that same item, that Kraft mac and cheese as an example, they'll sell that exact same item for different prices all over the world. And so, you know, you take a clever entrepreneur can quickly figure out that if a case of Kraft mac and cheese is being sold by the manufacturer for $40 a case in Miami, but it's being sold for $140 in Maine, um, that there's an opportunity right there, right? Uh, and so that's what we did. We basically figured out how to go and buy it uh, on the gray market and buy surplus inventory, anything that was running on deal specials, all that kind of stuff. We would figure out how to go buy it directly from uh, the stores, the wholesalers, the retailers, and turn around and just ship it to other markets where there were other retailers and other wholesalers that weren't privy to that kind of a special discounted pricing. And we would make that margin in between. And, um, you know, when I, what we started when I was 17, you know, by the time I was 23 was a, you know, I was running a $50 million a year company. By the time I was 27, I was running an $800 million a year company. Uh, and by the time I was 30, it had involved in through mergers and acquisitions and what have you, where I was running a $1.8 billion a year company, the seventh largest privately held company in the state of Florida. And it all still exists today. It's all, all still happens every single day. Um, but it's, a uh, yeah, it was a fascinating time. I, at the time, I didn't know anything different. So I, I just thought that was just a normal way you did. You know, you rocked. Absolutely. So one of the things that you kind of termed with this, and then again, with your real estate company is reverse wholesaling. So I was hoping you could talk about exactly what that is. A lot of the people listening right now, they're 18 to 25. Um, they probably haven't heard of this unique concept. Yeah, so probably, you know, at that time, clearly, as I just pointed out, one of the things that made me really unique uh, it was my youth, uh, was my, my naivety, was the simple fact that uh, this is a business that had existed for a while, uh, but I looked at it uh, completely differently because I was a kid, right? And I didn't, know, I didn't know any better. And so I came in 
uh, you know, being pretty cocky and, and, and pretty self-confident and just asked, started asking questions. And the, the biggest question is, why are we doing it this way? Uh, and, and why, you know, and traditionally you'll hear responses like, well, that's the way we've always done it. And, and because that company was so successful and was rough, you know, we got, we got purchased um, by when we were doing roughly about $80 million a year, we got purchased by a much bigger competitor down in Boca Raton, Florida. And I lived in Memphis, Tennessee at the time. And so they moved me down there and then within a, you know, a little, within a year or so, they basically threw me the key, keys to this much bigger $800 million company. Uh, and the reason they did that is because I had had so much success basically questioning everything. Uh, and what I had questioned was, why don't we just go to all of our customers and ask them if I could sell you anything at any price, deliver it on any day in any quantity, what do you want to buy? What do you want to pay me? What do you want to give me? You know, and what do you need right now? And so instead of all, of, you know, with all of our competitors who would basically, we would all compete over the exact same truck of Kraft Mac and Cheese, going back to that example, you know, somebody in Miami would sit there and say, hey, I got 10 trucks of Kraft Mac and Cheese and they would all call us and we would all compete against, you know, trying to buy and sell that one thing. We were just going the other direction. We were saying, hey, you know, I got somebody that'll buy 25 trucks of Peter Pan peanut butter, right? And I need to buy it at $20 so that I can go sell it to this guy for 32 and that little concept of basically working backwards, starting with the end in mind, turned that $800 million year company, 30 months later, we were doing $1.8 billion a year. Um, and so as you pointed out, when I got into the grocery industry a few years later, and you know, that same kind of uh, you know, intuition kicked in, if you will, where I was like, listen, I, I'm being taught to do this one way. But the way I'm being taught to do this is I just go out and I get a property under contract at a really, really cheap price. And then I just go try to find a buyer, right? And everybody, you know, the house in the neighborhood is worth 200 grand. I got one guy that's going through divorce. I was able to put it under contract for 125. Uh, who wants it, right? Who wants to give me $10,000 for this contract and effectively buy it for 135? That's wholesaling. That's what you do all day long. That happens millions of times a year. Um, when I started doing reverse wholesaling in the real estate business, our business exploded. and as you pointed out, right? I mean, it's just kind of, it's what I've become known for. Um, because if I can go to all of the cash buyers in any real estate market in the country and basically say, listen, if I could sell you any house at any price in any neighborhood uh, with any amenities you want, what are you actually trying to buy? What is the actual investment criteria you're trying to hit? And that makes my life as a wholesaler infinitely easier because now instead of me wasting my efforts and going and just sporadically trying to find deals, I'm going and creating deals in the exact situation, in the exact market, in the exact neighborhood where I already know I have a buyer completely lined up. And when you kind of explain that to people, it makes perfect logical sense, but you would be shocked whether it's a $2 billion a year company or it's a you know, a $300 billion real estate market, that rarely happens. It's almost always the other direction. Get it, then sell it. Not understand what somebody wants to buy and then go get it. Have you always been just naturally curious or is it kind of like a skill that you developed to question things? Um, I have always been an entrepreneur and I think as an entrepreneur, that is, that is what we naturally do, right? Uh, I was trained to be an entrepreneur from the time, you know, I can ever remember. Um, I was never, I've always questioned authority. I've always questioned, I never was the guy, I'm 150% unemployable. I could never work for somebody ever. Uh, and so I think as, a, as an entrepreneur, you know, if you're really honest with yourself, 
that's what we do. We ask questions and as we get the answers and we reveal the answers and we solve problems, that's the kind of, when you solve big problems, that's how you get rich. Right. And that's, that's the bottom line. Definitely. And so, you know, as you're talking about your real estate business and how you've kind of, you switched things up with that reverse wholesaling concept. Have you noticed like besides your own students, a lot of people starting to mimic and follow your tactic and strategy, or do you think a lot of people are still stuck in the old way? Well, it's all, a, it's all a product of marketing, right? Whoever has the loudest voice gets the biggest audience and gets the biggest, you know, most people to listen to them, right? And so, um, you know, if you just use somebody like a Grant Cardone who has a massive voice but doesn't know one thing about reverse wholesaling. So he's naturally teaching people to do something very different than I would teach them. So, um, yeah, my students, the people that listen to me, the people that get in front of me, I mean, we have 62,000 people that have bought our services over the years. Um, you know, this is the way that they, they, they clearly understand the benefit and they understand what, what's going on. And that's 60,000 in the big scheme of all of the possible people that could be doing it. Yeah, it's, it's a fraction of a fraction. Um, I think if people were, uh, if people understood how simple this business can be uh, and how little brain damage could be involved, they would, they would naturally gravitate to it. The reality of it is there's a lot of noise, a lot of confusion, a lot of really loud voices out there. And, you know, people would argue that I'm a really loud voice, but comparatively speaking, there's voices that are much louder than mine. And um, so it just all depends on who gets in front of the person first. And you get in front of them first, they're going to be, they're going to learn how to do wholesaling the old fashioned way. If I get to them first, I'm going to teach them a better way. When you talk about teaching all these people different, all these people better ways to do it, you know, you said you got 62,000 students. What is it, you know, for everyone listening that you do that you are able to take on these students and to teach them like your company and your programs and stuff like that? Uh, I mean, we basically, we're a, real, we're a multifaceted company at this point, right? So we run, we have one side of our organization is all of our investments. Uh, we buy and sell roughly 900 properties a year uh, through, my, through my family's organization. And then we on our education and software side, we have uh, online training programs that not only teach reversal selling, but teach... 12 different curriculums um but reverse wholesaling being the number one right or by without even question probably 90 percent of our students go through that so there's an entire online certification program somebody can go through to learn step by step how to do this with no experience so you have the online education that our software basically does all the work for them it'll show them in any city here's all the buyers here's all the sellers press a few buttons here's how you market to them you know here's the scripts to follow it's really very much a business in a box when you kind of put those two ingredients together. And then on top of that, we have our, uh, you know, actually where we get on and do phone coaching with our students. We do live in-person coaching, we fly out to people's cities. We do masterminds where we have, you know, roughly a couple hundred investors from around the country that get together several times a year. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of all shapes and sizes, uh, all flavors, but you know, somebody, and, and you know, it even goes even further down the, down the pipe. We have, People that have done nothing more than just simply come in and buy my book or go watch my YouTube videos or, you know, that kind of stuff, right? A bunch of free stuff out there that they can get access to. So it comes from a, a lot of different flavors. Um, but at the end of the day, um, whatever, wherever somebody is in their journey, we're, we are a, you know, we've been doing this now from an education standpoint for 12 years. We're a fully, you know, very mature company so we can meet them wherever they are. So you're obviously very successful in this space. It's quite remarkable, but you have so much free content and so many free resources out there. Um, what kind of is like, I know you, you talk very strongly about like your why and everything that drives you. Can you bring us back to that time whenever you were on that plane 
and it started, the smoke started rolling down the aisles and that, that tragedy, that tragedy started to take place. Can you take us back to that and how it kind of shifted or pivoted your life after that moment on? Yeah, sure. So I'll go, I, I, there's actually been several of them, but I'll kind of tell you, you know, at the end of the day, one of the things, what I, I, when I was a young man and out there building a business, um, I made, although I was successful by every measure, right? And this was before social media, but I, if there was social media around in, back then, I would be the guy that you see out there uh, with the watches, with the planes, with the, you know, with the Lamborghinis and all the bullshit we see out there, right? And that, that, was, that was me. I was that guy. Um, and I thought that was cool. I thought that was what I was supposed to be doing. I was doing all of that. You know, I was, a mar- I was married. I was doing all of that at the expense of my wife, at the expense of my young son. I was getting to the office at 5 a.m. I was leaving at 10 o'clock at night, outworking everybody in my world. Uh, there was nobody around me that would ever question my work ethic or my determination to be successful. The biggest challenge with that is that clearly what I just pointed out is that success came at a very, very heavy price uh, that I wasn't, that wasn't obvious to me at that time. Um, you know, you go and I got ran out of that business by my partners um, in 2000 and yeah, 2000, March 14th of 2000. And, and then over the course of the next two years, kind of chased it all the way down and ended up losing everything I'd ever worked for. Every dollar, every relationship, marriage, everything, right? Friends, it was all gone. And that was a really humbling experience for me, um, to say the least. And then, so as I started building it all back in the real estate space, I found myself kind of, uh, unfortunately, making some of the same mistakes. I was bound and determined to be successful again and get back up on top. Started repeating patterns that were very natural to me. until I just had, you know, kind of a, uh, several eye-opening experiences throughout that time that uh, throughout my journey that kind of woke me up that, man, this is not about the money. The money will come. Uh, this is about the moments, right? I'm not in the business anymore of collecting crap, of collecting junk. I'm in the business of collecting moments. And I, I want to be as dialed in on time as I possibly can. I, I mean, it is tattooed on my arm. It is, I don't wear a watch. I wear a bracelet that just simply says the time is now. Uh, all around me, all the signage in my office is the time is now. Don't be average. Make the most of the moment. Um, it's very, very real for me, right? I, and I'm very, very present. And I think that that uh, is a huge, huge asset. And to your point, that came from one losing a business and understanding, having the perspective to understand what I, the mistakes I made. Two, seeing myself make those mistakes again. And then three, having these shocking things hit me in the face, like, "Hey, you're doing it. You're, you're making, you're making that mistake." And one of those was that that plane incident when I was, you know, on an airplane and, and, uh, and my, my wife and my young daughter were sitting behind me, uh, several rows behind me. And we were flying from on Delta airlines from, from Atlanta to West Palm beach was where my home was at the time. And, um, you know, the plane filled with, with smoke. And as the smoke was completely engulfing the, the inside of the plane and naturally everybody's panicked and freaking out and masks are dropping and, the pilot puts the plane into a dive because he believes we're on fire. Um, and so you can imagine buzzers going off, people screaming, people crying, smoke filled. Uh, stewardesses freaking out over the, over the speaker, telling crew to return to their seats or crew, you know, return to your stations. The captain come on and basically tell you you're going you know, to need to brace for impact. We're going to make a, an emergency landing. It was a very, very, very traumatic and scary experience for me, right? And I could sit here and talk about it for an hour easily uh, on how uh, shocking that was to, my, to everything about me. But one thing it absolutely did for me is it gave me 
um, the last probably kick in the pants that I needed for clarity and that there is, it can all be gone like this, right? In a moment. And there's absolutely nothing you could do about it. And so the only moment that you get is the moment that you have right now. And so to sit around and tell yourself, I'm going to get to it next week, next month, next year, whatever, is just a completely BS story that we tell ourselves to just put off what we need to be doing today. If there are friends you need to be connecting with, if there's charities that you care about, if, there, if there's a business or a dream that you're trying to fight for, there is, believe me, there is no nobility in uh, that dream dying inside of you, right? It needs to come out and it needs to come out now. And you need to understand that this is the moment. This is what you've got right now. Everything else is not promised. Tomorrow is certainly not promised to you. If there's something you can do today, if there's somebody that you need to talk to today, if there's somebody that you need to make sure that they know that you care about them, you need to make sure that happens today because there are so many instances. And again, that was what happened to me as I was sitting on that plane and I'm quite literally filming a video to my son, telling him goodbye, right? As I'm looking back and can hear my young daughter screaming for daddy and there's no way I can get to her because she's six rows behind me. Um, you don't wanna have those moments. You don't wanna be in that situation trying to figure shit out. You wanna be sitting there right now like, okay, this, I, want, I feel really good right now knowing that everybody knows the way I feel about them, that all my bases are covered and I, go to, I sleep very well at night knowing I'm trying to uh, do amazing things on a daily basis. And that's, uh, that's just the, the, the biggest takeaway that I would give anybody is like, do something amazing every day. Do something that scares you every day. Push yourself like today matters, because it does. That is such a powerful message, Kent. And, and so that, that clarity that you got from that, tr from that tragedy, from that very painful moment happening, does that ever like kind of fade and you have to remind yourself of like, hey, like that almost happened. I need to be fully present right now and stuff like that? Or has it been yeah. something where- Of course, yeah, we're all human, right? I mean, of course, there's, you know, but it's not hard, you know, to snap yourself back into, into a, uh, and without, and by the way, without ever having something tragic like that, I mean, you know, you, you can- snap yourself back very, very quickly. I mean, I'm always interested with people that, that sit around and piss and moan and talk about how, you know, they, where their life is at this particular moment. But, you know, it, it would take about three minutes to go on to Google and just go run a search on uh, a place like Haiti, which I've spent some time in, or a place like uh, Nicaragua, which I've spent some time in, where uh, the economy and the people, it's so destitute that they would, they, would, they are quite literally praying every day for your worst day, right? So I don't care how bad you think it is in, in those places, that would be their best day. They, want, they would love to have the opportunity that anybody watching this or listening, they would love to have the opportunity to be healthy, to uh, have clean water, to have air in their lungs, blood in their heart, be able to get up and go and make a dream happen to not have to worry about whether somebody was going to oppress them. Then I have to worry about whether or not they, somebody's going to tell them they couldn't do it or could do it. I mean, there's nobody right now that's watching this, that if, that if they had something inside of them that, that they wanted to fight for and they would, they were resourceful that they couldn't go fight for. I mean, we've seen too many examples of people in our world that come from very, very humble beginnings and build empires, right? So those people are no different than anybody watching this. I don't care what situation you're in. Hey, Kent, I'm just working, you know, nine to five. I'm making $12 an hour. I'm a bartender. I'm a waiter. I'm whatever it is. I'm an Uber driver. You've got something inside of you. It is never a lack of resource. It's a lack of resourcefulness. And uh, you, you just have to figure out how to connect the dots and get, and get there. 
So to sit around and say, play the victim is just irresponsible and reckless. That's just not true. It's just what you tell yourself. And if you need that wake up call, then it's like, man, there are people in this world who would love to have the opportunity that I have. You know, go, go visit a hospital and see how many people that are sick that would pray just for one more day to be out here so they could do whatever they want to do. Or the, the guy or girl sitting in the wheelchair or the guy sitting on the street corner begging. Ask him or her what they would do to have your opportunity right now, which is just, I can just do something. And it doesn't take much of that kind of mental thinking to get you right back into place. And I really hope someone listening right now kind of took that message to heart and it was their wake up call. So I appreciate you sharing that. And but before I forget, where can people find you online if they want to reach out or learn more about you? Yeah, just go. I mean, I'm easy, man. Instagram, it's just Kent Clothier or on uh, Facebook, it's just Kent Clothier, right? Uh, make sure you look for the verified accounts with the blue check marks. There are some imposter accounts out there that we try to get taken down, but they inevitably come back up. So go check those out. Or you can just go to kentclothier.com. That's an easy place to find me. Um, but I'm easy, man. I'm easy to find and always there to help people. Awesome, Kent. So one last question. First, a little bit of background. So when you die, the only thing that matters, the difference that you made or the impact that you had. So that being said, what difference or what impact are you trying to make? Uh, wake people up, right? That's, that's what I'm here to do. I have a, the talent that I have is um, I have the ability to reach into somebody's soul and rattle their cage and make them understand that what they actually desire in their life is truly possible. The only thing that's helped that's holding them back is them. Um, people, people love to wrap themselves up in this little blanket of mediocrity, if you will, and tell themselves success is elusive. It's success is too hard or whatever the case may be. And that's just the story we tell ourselves in an effort to, so we don't have to put in the effort. If people realized how simple and straightforward uh, success really is, and that it's just a matter of effort. It's a matter of following the formula. It's a matter of following the patterns. Success leaves clues. Guys like myself and millions before me have all followed in the footsteps of other people. Um, somebody else has kind of mapped out the way and all we did was just follow them right through it. If people realize that, that that's what's really in front of them, then they would go. And that's what I think I do. I make them realize that. I basically point it out make it easy to attain the information, and then I push them harder than they've ever been pushed to make sure that it, their dreams actually come true.